Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to a very special episode of the Disruptive Entrepreneur audio and video podcast because it is the Disruptive Entrepreneur one year anniversary today. Happy anniversary us. So I've got a very, very special gift that I'm going to share with you at the end of this episode. So stay tuned. It's very valuable. It will definitely be worth your time. You'll definitely be pleased that you stayed. Um, but there, it, we have 100 of them only. So just giving you fair warning of that. And we have subscribers in nearly 400,000 subscribers in 160 countries. So stay tuned for that special gift to celebrate with me the one year anniversary of the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. All right. So in this episode, I thought I'd talk to you in detail, give you like a five year history of creating your ideal mobile lifestyle. So first off, let's define it. And I can't define it. Only you can define it. So what is your ideal mobile lifestyle? What is your ideal merging your passion and profession lifestyle? How much do you work? How much do you play? How do you make sure what you work on is what you love and what you love is what you work on? How do you make sure you monetize your passion, you know, and make sure that it's a sustainable, monetizable entity, um, but at the same time, it's something that you love to do and would endure the struggle? And how do you balance your family life and your work life travel away but being able to take those that you love with you raising your kids to be the best kids that they can be but also making sure you've got enough money to stick them through private school and all the other things you want to do so when I say ideal mobile lifestyle it's very specific to you for example I don't really like traveling but I force myself to travel especially in the winter months so that we can be in a really warm country where Bobby can get a great golf coach and he can play golf twice a day where it's really warm. So again, you know, were it not for passive income from property and were it not for having a business that gives me this autonomy and freedom, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I don't, you may like to travel a lot. You may not like to travel. You may want, you know, huge amount of opulent material items, or you might just want to be the vagabond who can put all their stuff in a rucksack and travel and live on Airbnb. That's up to you. That's not for me to say. But what I'm going to do is share some stories and journeys along the way that helped me do it for me. And then, of course, with Life Leverage, which became a, a UK bestseller and a worldwide bestseller, UK number one in all books, worldwide number one business, so that, you know, we can give you the strategies and tactics and make you believe that you can do it too. Because a lot of people think, you know, well, I'm working really hard. I need to earn money. I've got huge overheads. I can't just go quit my job. Or the thing that I love to do, I don't know how to make money out of it. Or I haven't got supportive people. Or, you know, I'm, I'm so busy working, I haven't got time to do systems and train people and all that kind of stuff. And everything you think holds you back from being a mobile, global, disruptive entrepreneur, where you're working a tenth of the time, but making a tenth of the income and a hundredth of the difference. Everything you think holds you back from doing that held everyone who became one back from doing that. And so if you'd have been with me around about towards my 33rd birthday, so I was late 32s, and um, I became a, a millionaire, a, a net worth millionaire, a cash millionaire, if you like, between the ages of 30 and 31. And I don't say that to go, whoa, look at me. You know, there's people I know that were millionaires in their early 20s. And it doesn't really mean a lot, but it's important to the story. 
So, because this was always my dream. Now, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, you want to be, it was my dream because I'd been raised by a, a dad who was very entrepreneurial. Always taught me I could be, do and have anything I wanted to be if I focused on it. And he was an entrepreneur and he owned loads of property and pubs and clubs and bars and restaurants and hotels. And he used to take me around them all when I was really young. And he really instilled in me this passion for property and business and, you know, and being able to have and do nice things. But, you know, in my 20s, I completely lost my way. And I don't know if you've ever lost your way in your sort of vision, you know, where um, you were struggling to make money. You weren't doing things that you really enjoyed. You were selling yourself out. You know, you've got your debts really high and all those things that happened to me. And I got myself into about £50,000, almost, of consumer debt. So that's not including mortgages, but that's like credit cards for art to pay off credit cards, to pay off credit cards, car loans, even though I'd sold the car, still had the car loan. And each month, my interest payments were more than I was earning and I got myself in a bit of a hole. But thanks to property and business, fast forward to late 32. So this is probably what October, November at the age of 32. And, um, you know, I had a thriving property business and I had a thriving training business. And, you know, we were turning over in the low millions per year, probably three, four million a year. And, uh, yeah, I'd made my, my own million. And um, my fiancé sat me down. I came back home. Bobby was in bed. He was, you know, Bobby was about nine months old, my son then. And she sat me down and my fiancé doesn't say much. So when she does, you listen. You know, if you value your life, you listen. And she sat me down and she has this way. She, um, she basically said, look, Rob, I'm really proud of you. You know, you've, you've done what you wanted to do, but life is different now and you have a son. And you get up at 6 a.m. and you walk to work and you work really hard and I'm very proud of you. And you come home at 9 p.m. most days and um, your son is in bed and you talk to him when he's asleep. And if you carry on doing what you're doing, he's going to be 18. He's going to leave home. And you're not going to know who he is and he's not going to know who his dad is. And um, that was a real bolt of lightning to me. Now, I always believed that you had to work hard enough not to have to work hard. And I always really believed in throwing myself into my businesses and passions. And, you know, I love property. I love public speaking. I love general business and entrepreneurship and disruption. You know, that's what I love. So once I found that, and that was December the 15th, 2005, the first day where I kind of was open-minded to this world. I wanted to do it all day, every day. I wanted to do it for 15, 20 hours a day. I didn't want to sleep because I wanted to do it. You know, and a lot of the Americans call it the hustle and the grind. And that was me. And, but the problem is that gave me a ridiculous seesaw swing of balance where I had no balance. And, you know, were my fiance not an independent woman and were she not happy in her own time and space, she'd have left me. And um, did she not, had she not cared about me enough and had we not had my son, then, um, you know, I might be a single parent. I might only see my son, you know, once a month on weekends and um, things would have been very different. So I think the thing I learned from that was, you know, we're all on our own journey and things change for us. And you know, if you'd have been looking at my training in the sort of when I was late 20s, early 30s, it'd be work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, you know, find something you love and do it all day, every day. But, you know, I didn't have a I wasn't in a relationship, I didn't have kids, I didn't have, you know, a huge amount of overhead. And, you know, there are people that follow me on the Disruptive Entrepreneur who've, you know, got, I mean, if you live in Peterborough, you've got like 16 kids, that's the average. And, you know, you've got all these bills and overheads and you don't, you don't necessarily want to work 16 hours a day. You know, ideally, you want to do something that you love, that you want to get up for, but maybe you want to work three hours a day or four hours a day. Or you want to work your own pace. You want to have autonomy. You don't want to be told what to do by anyone, you know, maybe the missus or the, you know, the husband, but, you know, we accept that. And, you've, you know, and you want to balance it all. 
And um, this was the big revelation for me. So I don't know if you've ever had a real bombshell hit you. So um, before I talk about this bombshell, just um, if you're just logging in, say hi. So Tim, Gordon, everyone, hi. Thanks for saying hi. Uh, share your name, where you're from. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, the special one year anniversary edition, then make sure you come and say hi in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community or come and find the video and come and say hi in the video. All right, so this kind of bombshell to me was that I needed to be at home more. I needed to be a good dad and I was scared. I was scared because I thought, well, if I spend time at home, then I'm not gonna be as successful in business. But now I was scared if I spend too much time in business, I'm not gonna be a great fiance, boyfriend at the time, and father, which was like, obviously, you know, the most important thing to me ever, you know, when my son was born. So it was like, what do I do? Now, immediately when my fiance told me that, I, I, I was quite defensive, and then I got a bit angry, and then I got really guilty. I felt huge guilt because I looked back over those nine months, and in fact, the nine months of Gemma's pregnancy, so nearly two years, I thought, how much was I there for Gemma? You know, and like Gemma's not gonna be completely independent and not need me forever. And so it was like, I felt huge guilt. And then I was completely torn because I had this business that on the outside was doing really well and was turning over a few million quid and, you know, I'd become a millionaire. There was everything I ever wanted. But that business needed me day and night. It needed my enthusiasm, my drive. It need, all the ideas were stuck in my head. There were no systems or processes. It was all me, me, me. And everything was from me. And you know what? I loved that as well. I felt really important and proud that I had this business, this entity, and it needed me. And I've got quite a few martial artists who are, um, who have martial arts schools who've logged in. Gordon, Andy, how you doing? Uh, and you, you, you all know that story because when you set up your own martial arts practice, you know, there's you, the black belt, and everyone wants to learn from you and they don't want to learn from your assistants or your brown belts or your blue belts. How do you build this academy, though, that scales where, you know, you managing all the payments and finding all the new, you know, business uh, while you've got your school of trainers who are doing the training part of it? So this was something that I didn't know how to do. But here's the thing. I'd read the myth. I'd read Built to Sell. You know, I'd read all those great books on systemizing your business. You know you need to systemize your business. You know you need processes, procedures, software. You know that if the business relies on you, it's not saleable or scalable. And I knew all these things. But it's such a dichotomy because I love being there all day, every day. I love the buzz and the thrill of it and the importance of it. So I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I'll do all that. Yeah, yeah, I'll do all that. And, and then I wouldn't. And then also, when I actually thought to myself, I am going to systemize, processize, make myself redundant, not rely on all these things. You know, I'd get a, a client need me or I'd get a problem that only I could solve. Or, you know, I'd be too busy in the business. I couldn't take the helicopter view, as they call it, and work on the business for an hour or two. And then you're told to, to write manuals and create systems and, and procedures, which for me... Blah, boring, don't want to do all that. I want to go and change the world and be disruptive. So, you know, I, I did page one of the manual contents and thought, this is boring. Fuck this. I'm not doing this. And then you get sucked back into your business again. And then a year later, you have all these problems and you can't go on holiday for 48 years because the business needs you. And then you have a minor sort of meltdown. And then you're like, right, I better read the e-myth and build to sell again. And I better listen to all of Rob's podcasts where he's told me a million times about systems and processes and procedures and being redundant, not relying. And then the cycle. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts 
by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. goes on and then you're 65 and you're alone <laughs> so um yeah anyway so this all kind of hit me at the age of you know nearly 33 uh, but for me because I've done quite well not you know I say humbly because no one knew as well as I wanted to or not compared to now but you know so I was kind of tall all right so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the nine things I did that um took me out of the business completely Helped it go from 3 million to 16 million, should be 22 million this year in booked business. And I probably now work like officially maybe an hour a day. Uh, hey, look, I'm around a lot more and I do all this kind of stuff for fun and the podcast for fun because I'd love to do, but official work, work probably an hour a day. And um, there were nine things that I did. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying, look at me, I'm a guru, you know, I'm the master of these nine things. I've been told these loads of times by mentors. I had a, um, James Carr was one of my mentors. I paid him thousands of pounds to have, you know, a few hours of coaching with him. And he told me all this stuff and he told me all this stuff in 2010. And, and I'm still, when am I going to do it? And I read the myth, goodness knows how many times. So, you know, it's a bit like, wake up, Rob. All right, so you're going to get want to get a pen, paper, notepad, anything else out at the moment to take notes because this is going to be the very detailed bit and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish the story. And also stay tuned because I've got a, a really special gift for the first hundred of you to celebrate the one year anniversary of the disruptive entrepreneur. All right, so here are the nine things I did. So number one, detailed absolutely everything I did in the business day to day, A to Z. So that sounds easy. And actually, if you just say to yourself, I'm going to know everything I do, it kind of is easy. But you know, when you get busy, often you forget. But basically, everything that was in my head that was needed to run the business had to come out of my head. Whether it's a video, whether you use Camtasia and, you know, you do a screen record of you logging into stuff and showing how you use your various websites or whether you just simply write it in a, uh, and create a little manual or you do audio recordings of yourself. You tape all of your sales calls, obviously, as well, as long as you've got permission and, you know, and everything you know. Now, that probably took me. It took a good 12 to 18 months. It didn't have to take that long. But remember, I was still working in uh, really in the business as well. The next thing was hire staff. You know that. You, you know that. Why aren't you doing it? Oh, I can't afford it. Oh, I don't like managing people. I'm too busy. I haven't found the right people. Blah, blah, blah. You need to do it. And um, you can do it. You know, it's so much easier now than when it was back when Mark and I had to hire Mark's mum for our first member of staff and then my mum for our second member of staff. But here's the thing. We hired before we were ready. Now, we thought, well, let's make let's wait until we really need it. Everything breaks and we're desperate before we hire people. And there are some people that teach that. And of course, that keeps initial overhead down, but it probably increases future overhead when you have all the problems. Because the worst thing you can do is so be, be so busy that you're ratty, you're stressed. And then when you bring people in, like my recruitment policy was, um, OK, do you have a pulse? Right, you're in because I'm from Peterborough and there's not necessarily a huge amount of business talent here compared to London. 
And then also my induction process was, there's your computer, there's your desk, get the fuck on with it. And don't ask me any questions. And um, you know, I'm too busy. And I was like, the worst. I mean, often entrepreneurs make the worst managers, the worst, because we expect everyone we hire to be like us. But if they were like us, they'd set up their own business. You know, and if you hire people like us, they'll be in your business for a year, then they'll nick all your IP and they'll nick your database and they'll go and set up progressing property. So, you know, you don't necessarily want a load of entrepreneurs. And, you know, like I said, we can make the worst managers. But anyway, finally we got it and we, we roped Mark's mum in and she did, what, two or three hours a day. And then we roped my mum in and she did two or three hours a day. And then we paid him sort of the minimum we could. And then we were sort of leveraging the love of the relationship. Then we hired our first estate agent because we were buying so many deals from him. It made sense to hire him. And then we were rolling. And, um, you know, once you're rolling and you've got a couple of staff or a few staff, you get it. And you think, all right, I get the concept, I can do this. And then what happens is one leaves or they, they, they turn out badly. And then you go, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, I can't find any great people. Oh, I tried, it doesn't work. And then you go back and you mustn't do that. You must just keep going. You know, you might have to kiss quite a lot of frogs. All right then. So number three is I finally forced myself to go on a four week holiday. As you know, I love business as a passion and a profession. So we set up our very first Cayman legacy. Our, um, we run a mentoring program in Cayman and Cayman was somewhere I really wanted to go. And Dave, um, you know, our first Cayman mentee, also a very good friend, multimillionaire. I know he, I could just see him logging onto the video. So hi, Dave, you've been a big part of our journey. Thank you. And um, here's the thing. You really don't know if your business can run without you until you're on the other side of the world for a month and then you know. And so we were in the Cayman Islands. We kind of did it on purpose um, because, you know, many entrepreneurs, my dad was one of these, he wouldn't have holidays for years, wouldn't take days off or weekends off for years because, you know, like you, you don't think you've got the staff, you know, you don't think that you've got the resources. But go from, I, I challenge you now to go and book a four-week holiday, 12 months from now, do it. Yeah, you can go and do some public speeches and you can run a, a boot camp out there if you want at the same time like I did. You can take your kids with you. You should take your kids with you. I took Bobby with me and obviously he, we played a lot of golf there. So emerging business, passion, profession, a lot. But ideally go somewhere a long way away with no internet. And I know that's scary. And I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have taken my own advice a few years ago. But when we were away for the first time for a month in Cayman, the business didn't break. It survived. We had an MD, we had some managers in, you know, we had team members. It made us plan really specifically and in a lot of detail before it made us create systems, processes, manuals. It made us, you know, discuss all the things that could go wrong before we left. And, uh, you know, doing things in business we should have been done that we weren't be doing because we were forced to do it. Brian Tracy, one of my mentors on time management and, and, and sort of personal and business development, he said, often your most prolific proactive day is the day before you go on holiday because you've got to get all that stuff done before you go away. I mean, we all go mad and get like 15 days worth of work done on the day before holiday. So imagine if you set up your systems and processes every day for a week, like you were going to go away for a month. You know, you, I'm not saying you wouldn't have challenges, but you'd, you'd mitigate 80% of them. And um, we were away for a month and there wasn't a lot of internet and there wasn't a lot. And it was weird. It was like, it was going cold turkey on coffee or something. It was Weird, but we got back and A, the business didn't break. Did they have challenges? Yes. Did they have to solve them? Yes. Did they enjoy it without us? Here's the weird thing. Well, not weird, it's probably it makes sense. They loved it. They loved the bosses being away. They could do whatever they want. And of course we were scared that they'd completely take the piss and it'd be a riot and they wouldn't do any work. But now they stepped up, they had autonomy themselves. They weren't being micromanaged by us and the company, and this was, I think, 
oh, this must have been around about 2010, 2011 when we properly did this, you know, like not just going away for a weekend, but a month. And um, the business, it was like it, in that month it grew because it was able to deal with challenges. People really stepped up and I realised we had something special. And because, you know, a lot of people who systemize business, they'll say to you, if you can't leave your business for a month without any contact, it's not systemized and it's not scalable and it's not saleable. So that was the third thing we did. The fourth thing, and there's A, B and C here, is force myself A, to take time off, even though I didn't want to, B, to work on the business, not in the business, and C, train people rather than be operational. So even if you don't want to, you've got to force yourself to take a lot of time off. And you know, you want to start with doing four days a week, then three days a week, then two days a week, then one day a week. If not for you, do it for your business. Do it for bringing your staff through. Do it for creating systems. Do it so it's saleable, scalable, and you know, undisruptable. You want to, if you're doing 50 hours a week, you're probably doing 49 hours a week in the business and one hour a week on strategy, and that might be your one weekly meeting. And over time, you want to move it to uh, 49 hours on the business, strategy, vision, you know, building your profiles, building your brand, doing public speeches, setting up all of your marketing, having your podcast, your live feed videos, your YouTube channels, you know, setting yourself up to travel around the world, networking with amazing people. I'm traveling again to Geneva in, in about an hour and a half. And um, I'm meeting with the CEO of Odomars PGA. I've got private watch viewing there. And we've got um, two dinners with a, a lot of other people who've got this private watch viewing. Great networking opportunity. And I was able to take that short notice because we've got an amazing MD. We've got amazing managers. Catherine, if you're watching, I love you. You're the best MD ever. And we've got great managers in our team. Far better managers than me, by the way. I'm good at gobbing off, having ideas, whooping people up, getting them to believe in it being the tip of the arrow, running really fast, you know, breaking, fixing, breaking, fixing, breaking, fixing as we go, ready, fire, aim, get perfect later. And then our managers are really good at taking that. They're good at um, creating scenarios. They're good at looking at the downside, systemizing it, building on it, and then translating that message through to our team. And that's exactly what you want to be as an entrepreneur. And I was kind of a closet entrepreneur because when I was working 15 hours in my business, I was having to manage, I was having to do, I was having to lead, I was having to do the vision, I was having to write my own systems, I was having to get out of my head, I was having to deal with clients, I was having to deal with customer service, I was having to build the website, do the design, do the brochures, do the recruitment, do the sort of HR, do the hiring, the firing, and all of it, which meant I was good at none of it. All right, fine. So number five, you have to accept the challenges along the way. And, you know, you're not going to get your best staff hire first unless you're lucky. And I've been really lucky finding Mark and really lucky finding Catherine over the years. And that was like my first try. But in other areas, it's taken us quite a few times to find the right person or a good person. Sometimes you find a good person, but they're not right for your culture or they're not right for the role. And you find a good person, and you don't train them very well. Or you find a good person and then they get poached or you don't find a very good person or you didn't do a clear job description. There's so many variables. And each time you get it wrong or it goes wrong, you just go, okay, what can I learn? Create a better job description, create better systems and processes, create a better onboarding program, create um, better protection from them in the first few months, allow them to make more mistakes, better communication from you, better training, inspiration, vision from you. All right, so just keep going because there's companies with tens of thousands of staff that started with none. You know, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak started in the garage. Every massive, Sam Walton and Walmart, two and a half million or 2.1 million or something stuff, more than 2 million stuff 
started with one idea. So if anyone can do it, you can do it. You just have to follow the same process and not give up when it gets hard. All right, number six, let others take the praise and you take the blame. And that was the hardest thing ever uh, for you know, a, a disruptive entrepreneur like me. Because when you run your own business, like, oh, look at me, I'm a disruptive entrepreneur. Oh, look at me, I've become a millionaire. Oh, look at me, I've got a million properties. Oh, look at me, I've got this and I've got that. Oh, look at me, look at me. Because that's what you want. Because if you want to be an entrepreneur, a speaker, and you want to lead and inspire people, there's a part of you that needs love. You know, there's a, uh, something that happened in our childhood. We didn't get enough love. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing these things for free. Now, of course, we want to help people and that's important. But, you know, we've got this void inside of us that we need to fill and um because if it's full we don't do it anymore and you know wanting to change the world and wanting to make a difference and so you know in a way we've got some baggage just disruptive entrepreneurs okay i'm only speaking for myself here so one of the hardest things ever is to reverse what you naturally want to do you want to blame others it's your fault tear them uh i better not be rude here but you know what i mean uh, lay into them they messed up, even though it was your training or your responsibility because you hired them or you didn't give them clear instructions. And of course, when it goes well, you want to go, yeah, look at me. I started the business. Ooh, you know, yeah. Give me a round of applause, everyone. Woo! And of course, what you want to do is the opposite. You want to give the praise to others. You want to let them own and take that moment of glory. Because remember, yes, they're working for you, but they're working for them. And if they meet their needs, they'll meet your needs. And if they meet your needs, you'll, uh, you won't have a job, which means you can do what you love more often. And then when there's a mistake, always own it. It's my fault. It's my fault because I take responsibility because let's learn. Let's not dwell. Let's learn and improve for next time. I've only got like 9% left on this uh, video. So I'm going to have to sum this up a bit quicker than I thought I would. All right. So let people fail safely. You know, don't lay into them when they mistake, make one mistake. For the first three months, you should let them fail safely, regularly, and just give them improved feedback along the way. The less you train them, the more you've got to accept that they're going to make mistakes. If you train them better, they'll make less. But let them fail and let them fail safely because if you let your children fail safely, they will try things and they will grow and they will be disruptive and they'll build confidence. Uh, and if you let your staff fail safely, they'll bring you new ideas. But if you don't let them fail at all, they won't bring you any ideas. They won't grow. All right. Number eight, embrace technology. So um, little uh, podcast audio software, the uh, live feed videos, the all the apps you can use, like, you know, all the outsource websites you can access on your apps and Evernote you can use and Arthur, your property management system and Camtasia, your screen video recording uh, software and um, taper calls so you can record all your calls and your audio memos and your mind maps apps. And um, in the progressive and unlimited success and disruptive co property communities that, you know, that I um, have built with your help, all the apps you need for your property business, being an entrepreneur, having a mobile lifestyle, they're all shared there. And there's like probably key of about a dozen in each niche, mobile lifestyle, property and sort of general life and business, which if you have them and use them, you can run your business from anywhere in the world, from your phone and from your Mac or PC. Do you need, just need to download them, learn how to work them, and let go and not be doing everything over and over again in an unsystemized, non-linear process. I have all home automation, so I can access the home, the security, the heating, the lighting, the music, everything from anywhere in the world. And um, it's just a question of understanding them, setting them up, and then just getting to know how to use them. And then finally, number nine is training yourself to be a leader and a builder of teams and not a worker and a doer. And of course, anyone who's sort of my generation, pre-millennial and above, we're taught work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work, 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 work. And in the end, you'll get a pension and then, but then the government spend it. So you've got to teach yourself to be a leader. Work less, think more. 
you know, do less, have, uh, work more on the vision. Create systems, not jobs. Don't sort of build assets, not don't exchange time for money. Okay, so I don't want this to die, so let's sum this up then. Uh, the nine things, if you do, you can create your ideal mobile life, leverage lifestyle, detail everything you do A to Z. In fact, now you can get your outsourcer to do that for you and they can write your manuals for you. They can follow you around, they can record you, they can video and you can even leverage the leverage. Number two, hire staff before you're ready and you start with one hour a day, one hour a week with an outsourced virtual or personal assistant, really easy. Book a long time away, so you've set a goal in the future where you have to be away without your business, ideally without internet. Force yourself to A, take time off, B, work on not in the business, and C, train people rather than do their job, let go. Uh, number five, accept the challenges, keep the faith. Number six, give other people the praise and you take the responsibility. Number seven, ex accept mistakes, allow failure, let people grow, let people fail safely. Let people run with ideas and create ideas and do jobs for you. Number eight, embrace, embrace technology apps and create everything in your life so you could be anywhere, anytime and run any business anywhere in the world and then train yourself to be a leader, not a doer. All right, so James Kahn um, mentored me and um, taught me about systems process and having a manual for every single person in his organization such that the manual and the process manages the person, not him. And if that person leaves, then that manual is the training platform for a new person. And in fact, even his HR was systemized so that, well, he's in recruitment business, so he should be able to do that. So that he's, um, he's got an influx of people. Now, if, um, if you need to share the vision, inspire, whilst that's your job, if you can systemize that on videos and put that into a manual and get your manual to feel like... Um, something magical that people are reading and they're getting an idea of the culture, not just the jobs, then that manual manage the person more than you have to. And that's something James Kahn really told me, James Kahn from Jack Dragonstone. So James, thank you very much for that. All right, so here's the special one, I think it's 100, episode 106, one year anniversary offer. So I created a business and lifestyle blueprint. It's a pyramid of three, four, five, six, seven, eight strategies that you need to put in your life. So marketing, vision, passion, profession, systems, etc. So that you could create this ideal mobile lifestyle. I wrote about it in Life Leverage, uh, which is that's also on its one year anniversary, I think. And it's still in the um, it's still in the top 20 in business, which is, is, is kind of cool. So um, what I want to do for you is to enable you to get access to that information for free. So I did an offer in our communities where I said, if you buy Life Leverage on audio or on, on physical book, I'll give you two tickets to the Business Lifestyle Summit, where for two days I teach you how to build your merge your passion profession, your business and your lifestyle, make money and make a difference, work less and more. Um, but I wanted to give it to you as a gift for free because, hey, you've been following my work and sharing my work and I'm really grateful to you for being a disruptive entrepreneur and being with me along the journey. So we only have around about 100 tickets left. And hey, we're around about the 100th episode and we're on the one year anniversary. So that's all nice and cosy and um, symmetrical. So first 100 that... On the, tag yourself in this video and say, yeah, I want a pair of tickets. 
or if you're listening in the audio, come into the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community, tag yourself in the community or on this video, or email me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk, and I will give you two tickets to the Business Lifestyle Summit as my personal VIP guest. I have three people who I've interviewed on the Disruptive Entrepreneur you know, multi-millionaires, amazing business people, celebrities that you'd have heard of, including the winner of The Apprentice, by the way, who are going to come and do keynote speeches for you. We're going to cover running, um, building your social media profile and platform. We're going, I can already see people saying I want the tickets, so they're messaging. I can see the, 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 um, your name's coming up on the live feed video, so do that right now. We're, I'm going to teach you how to put your all your business on your mobile phone and your laptop. Wow, there's loads of people coming in. You're going to have to be quick here so that you can run your business anytime, anywhere. I'm going to teach you to build the systems and the processes. I'm going to teach you really smart leverage time management so you work less and do more. I'm going to teach you some business models that are perfectly mobile, like running a social media business, like maybe running a trading or a property business, but how to do it remotely. I'm going to give you, what else am I going to give you? I've got an agenda somewhere, but I'm getting kind of put off here now because literally there are dozens of people saying I want tickets. So let me just remind you, you need to just put your name, say you want a pair of tickets, on this live feed video or email me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk and I will hook you up for the first 100 only. What else do we cover? Oh, so we've got um, multi-millionaire keynote speakers will teach you how they created their um, ideal mobile lifestyle. We've got, yeah, I'll cover the nine, the eight steps in the pyramid blueprint in very specific detail. I'm going to do a keynote speech on my, ah, yeah, I forgot that, on my wealth blueprint. So W equals V plus FE times L. I'm going to reveal the a blueprint to becoming sustainably wealthy, how to make money and make a difference. The dates are early Feb and late Feb. It's two days. It's normally about 500 quid for a ticket, so about a grand for a pair of tickets. But hey, I want to give back. I want to meet you personally. I'm going to be there. So if you want to say hi or if you want your book signed or anything like that, hey, I'm there for you. And my business partner, Mark Homer, he's going to do um, some keynote speeches there as well on his uncommon sense business investing philosophy. So Mark taught me most of my business investing and financial knowledge. So he's going to be there too. So, hey, it's going to be amazing. I promise you it will make a huge difference to your life. It's not just one of these free events. It's not just one of these multi-pitch events that you get a lot of the time. You're genuinely, there are thousands of people over the years that have paid the full ticket price. I'm so convinced it'll work for you. If you come there, spend the two days, and uh, it's going to be in Peterborough, so if you listen in India or anywhere else, you're going to have to fly over. But if you come, uh, we're only, what, 60 minutes from London, 70 minutes, 70 miles, an hour on the train. If you don't like it, you can do the whole event. And if you think, you know, that wasn't really worth your time, I'll pay for your travel, I'll pay for your accommodation, and I will give you uh, 100 quid back on your ticket. I'm that convinced. So everyone is not really going to love it. It's probably going to cost me 250 quid. But I know you will. I know that two days immersing yourself in this stuff and any business model, anything you're in, any passion, any profession, anything that you want to do, whether you're a martial artist, whether you're, you know, you're a plumber, whether you're a... You know, you want to do internet marketing, you want to do social media, you want to do an e-commerce business. That's another thing that we're talking about, building your e-commerce business so you can sell products from your phone anywhere in the world. I love this event. It's probably one of the best events we run. And we run about 600 events a year. All right. So thanks for tuning in. If you're listening in the audio, email me, rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk and or find one of the threads, this video, 
or in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community and just tag your name and say you want a pair of those tickets before they go. It's definitely first come, first serve. If you're listening to this audio and it's March onwards, this offer has ended. I won't do it probably again, or maybe I might on the second year anniversary, so just do something else special. But I just want to sort of celebrate. Who'd have thought that we'd have done 106 episodes? Who'd have thought we'd have interviewed all the amazing celebrities and millionaires and disruptive entrepreneurs that we have and had subscribers in 400,000 400, subscribers in 160 countries? I'm blown away. Thank you very much. I love you. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.